Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, alongside TalkSports football correspondent Alex Crook and the former Chelsea and Benfica fullback Scott Minto. Every day when you wake up, we give you a little bite-sized delivery from the World Cup, especially rounding up all the day's action before you even go to work, school, college, whatever it is you're doing. And we discuss all the upcoming games. Today's top stories, Portugal and Brazil join France in the round of 16. Goals galore between Ghana and South Korea and Cameroon and Serbia. Wales and England meet later today in a massive domestic clash. The first ever battle of Britain at a World Cup. And who could be their potential opponent in the next round from Group A? It's all on the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. Scintillating goal laden day in Doha. That's just the way we like it at a World Cup on Talk Sport. It is given. Abubakar has got a goal back out of absolutely nothing. The Roger Miller moment, isn't it? Oh, unbelievable. We're not goal. going to forget that one in a short period of time. It is Abubakar. He's going to square it. Big chance. Gideon Mensah into the area. Oh, an air shot from Williams. It's hit by Kudus. And Garner back in front. It is South Korea 2, Garner 3. Vinicius Jr. And now Casemiro shot. Oh, Casemiro scores. Into the top corner. And Brazil have surely won it. Two wins from two. And World Cup hopes rapidly turning into World Cup expectations. Portugal victory tonight would see them join France and Brazil safely through to the last 16. Fernandes steps up, slow run up, right footed, rolls it into the bottom corner. And Bruno Fernandes sends Portugal soaring into the last 16. Bruno Fernandes at the double, and he's Portugal 2, Uruguay 0. Scott Minto, hello, how are you? Sam, how are you? The first time I saw you, I mean, what was it? The last time I spoke to you, you were nice and clean shaven. You looked like you were ready to go out to Qatar on the plane. Now, got that beard. You say you look like a bit of a rock star. That's very kind of you. I, I, I can't work out whether you're saying that I've stopped taking care of myself and haven't shaved, or you're being particularly nice. You saw, it, was, it was almost like you spoke with forked tongue there. It's kind of a bit of both there, Sam. Um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you're getting in at three o'clock in the morning and, and even though we're starting nine o'clock your time six o'clock my time it's uh it's a lack of sleep but i'm sure it's been great manic the first few weeks they always are with the group stages but um listen it's been great from here listening to both of you to be fair i've got to say that's the last compliment that, that you'll be getting 
Whoa. Okay, let's quickly move on. Um, Portugal versus Uruguay yesterday was uh, the game that uh, Alex Crook was commentating on. Alex, the ball comes in from the left-hand side. Bruno Fernandes swings it in. Who do you think scores the goal? Well, I thought in real time it was Ronaldo. I've got to say, he absolutely did me. Um, because from our vantage point, it looked like he, he made contact. He celebrated like he made contact. And the look of perplexion and confusion on his face when Bruno Fernandes was announced on the big screen as the goal scorer suggested that he made contact. So, listen, only he knows ultimately. I think even Fernandes afterwards come out and said, I thought Cristiano got a touch. The goal has been credited to Bruno. Obviously, didn't mean it. It was a cross for his former Manchester United teammate. So, only Ronaldo will know. Did his hair follicles get something on the ball? Quite possibly, but it didn't really change the direction of travel. So I think it probably is a Bruno goal. Uh, it was it was Ronaldo channeling his inner Harry Kane versus Stoke in 2018, uh, <laughs> trying to claim a goal he did not touch. I was standing and watching with a variety of professional footballers who suggested it was absolutely outrageous that he would do such a thing. Um, although one of them, I think, admitted that they'd done exactly the same when they were playing. Um, after the game, Fernando Santos refused to answer any questions about it. Bruno Fernandes said he celebrated as if Ronaldo scored the goal and it didn't really matter as long as someone scored. But it was pretty apparent that it caused a talking point that didn't need to be a talking point because it just needed to all be about Cristiano Ronaldo. And that is a little bit of an issue because when he came off the pitch, Scott, they looked a little bit better. Well, look, I mean, it, it, it's not it's not just been going on for club um, with Ronaldo in the situation with Manchester United. It's been going on for country for some time as well about, you know, is it about time? But look, I mean, first of all, Crookie, I, I wouldn't beat yourself up about um, being convinced by Ronaldo. I think most of the media would have been convinced the way he mm, sort of ran absolutely. off. I, I don't think it's outrageous at all that, that he claimed it. That's a proper striker for you. As Harry Kane, Ronaldo, I'm sure there'd be lots of situations where strikers would have claimed it where they didn't quite touch it. But look, you know, you have to say, Ronaldo, Portugal again, and we were talking, weren't we, in the, in the pods um, at King's Cross um, a week or so ago, seems like an eternity ago now, that, that Portugal have great players, they really do, and yet we didn't really fancy them going deep into the competition. But they're functional, that's what they are. Um, are they better without Ronaldo? It, I don't think we'll ever find out, Sam, because Cristiano Ronaldo right now has to play. It's as simple as that. Unless he gets injured, of course. I thought they were better than in the first game against Ghana. I thought they moved the ball around with a bit more purpose. Defensively, they were never really troubled. I thought Pepe, two months shy of his 40th birthday, was absolutely exceptional, actually, at the heart of their defence. But Scott's right. They're not going to drop Ronaldo. They're not going to leave him out in the knockout stages. And that will be their undoing, because against a bigger nation, they need a bit more legs than Ronaldo offers. Um, Uruguay a little bit disappointing, I think, at the tournament so far. A lot of talk in the build-up to the tournament about Fede Valverde, who had been absolutely superb uh, for Real Madrid this season. But very difficult for him to carry that entire team when everyone around him could be playing in Vets football, Scott. <laughs> Listen, I, I like the midfield. Um, there's, there's him, there's Benton Curra there as well. Um, yeah. I mean, look, you've got you've got Godin, who must be 88. You've got Luis Suarez, must be 89. And Cavani, you must be 90. So, look, I, I get what you're saying, but th there's still enough quality there. And, and I agree with you about Fede Valverde. He's been absolutely superb at Real Madrid for the first time in a few years. 
looks like he's one of the senior pros and senior stars there. So I was expecting him to step up a little bit more. Uh, Benton Kulik, decent at times. Um, want to see more from, from Nunez as well. And, and, and I, they were one of my dark horses at the start of the tournament. I actually still feel they'll get through, but I need them to step up a little bit more if they are to get to the quarters, which is pretty much what I predicted. Okay, so the table looks like this at the moment. Portugal top of six points, Ghana three points, South Korea and Uruguay both on one point. Um, Portugal will probably, or Portugal will already qualify, will probably win the group. Uh, I, I fancy Ghana to go through if uh, we're completely honest. I do want to talk to you about VAR, Portugal's late penalty. Um, yeah. A shocking intervention, I think, because the Iranian referee Ali Reza Fakhani points to the spot for handball against Jose Maria Jimenez after he was nutmegged by Bruno Fernandes. He's falling to the floor. His left arm is behind him and he's going down. So he's going down. His arm's down by the side of his body and he's trying to put it down to stop himself from falling in an awkward manner. He lands on the ball. He did not make his body any bigger. He did not deliberately touch the ball. And the proximity was also a factor because Fernandes was very close to him. It was not a clear and obvious error. I have absolutely no eye why the referee even got involved what do you think I think you're right I think um, I think it's really harsh I think it's not really within uh, the laws of the game that have been laid down by IFAB um, and I think Uruguay can count themselves unlucky it, it didn't make any difference to the outcome of the game they were going to get beat anyway uh, without scoring a goal but obviously it just gave Portugal that, that buffer commentator said where was he supposed to put his hand and I think yeah. that's the way of putting it yeah, I, don't, I didn't understand it. Brazil won, Switzerland nil. Uh, no Neymar for Brazil as they put their place in the round of 16. I think I finished the game on ITV last night by saying it's not, it's just not like watching Brazil. Uh, but I suppose it was a little bit stayed and lacked a little bit of invention. It was a bit of a mediocre performance for 80 minutes and they really got into gear. We were talking during the match about the fact they lacked a bit of width. They didn't spread the play out wide. It was all very narrow. Um, but I think this is what TJ is planning. You know, this he wants to go through the tournament being quite solid and secure. He and Gareth Southgate have got the, the idea that if you keep enough clean sheets, you'll plot your way through the tournament. And Brazil have become just the second nation since 1966 not to face a single shot on target in the first two World Cup games in a single edition after France in 1998. And, and look, if you don't concede a shot on target, you can't concede a goal. So you, you, you've got guaranteed at least that you're going to pick up a point. So it does make sense in some some way, but oof, it wasn't 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 the most entertaining Brazil performance I've ever seen, Crook. Well, it went almost as exactly as I called it yesterday. I said Brazil would win by two goals to nil. The Switzerland would lack a punch, and the Brazil would find it a fairly routine victory. It wasn't too far away from that. It wasn't Brazil at their swaggering best. It wasn't a performance I think that will strike fear into the rest of the competition. But they got the job done. Uh, I was pleased with Casemiro. I thought was excellent in the first game. Uh, it's turning into a good World Cup, actually, isn't it, for, for Manchester United? When you look at a couple of goals for Bruno Fernandes. It's, it's, it's turning into a good World Cup for you and your predictions, bearing in mind that's not exactly what you said yesterday, but you've manipulated the situation to make it sound like you've come up with an absolute spot-on, laser-precision uh, prediction of what was going to unfold. What you actually said was, it would be an easy win for Brazil, they'd just roll them over 2-0. It wasn't like that at all, was it, Scott? Because Switzerland were quite stubborn. And do you know what? I think it's a really good comparison with the France 98 and what happened to them. Um, 
you know, and you look at France in, in 2018 as well, all the quality players they had going forward, and yet it was their defence that won in the World Cup. So, as you rightly say, you know, if you're not even conceding the shot on target, let alone the goal, you only need one to score. And, and, and you do feel going forward, they've got another gear or two. Um, so, I, I think for me, and, and I wasn't judging any team after one game, I only start to judge after two. There's only two teams that would really worry me from an England perspective, and that is one France and two Brazil. Um, some suggestions that they're a better team without Neymar. In fact, when I was doing the research for the game yesterday, I found out that under Tietje, they have a better win percentage when Neymar isn't in the team. But for large parts of that game, they did look as if they were missing someone on that sort of left-hand side, that inside left position, drifting into little half spaces to try and open up and break the lines, Crook? Yeah, listen, Neymar brings some stardust. Um, he, he might not be the biggest team player in the world. And I think, again, that's the theme uh, of this World Cup. We talked about it with Ronaldo. Um, we talked about it with Gareth Bale, with Wales, uh, having to carry him, and we'll talk about it later. But I do think they, they, they lacked a certain X factor. Uh, without him, they don't quite have the, the dazzle, if you like, when Neymar is not available. I guess they will give him the final group game off, whatever that injury situation is, and hope that he's going to be back and backfiring for the knockout stages. And I think for the World Cup, actually, we need Neymar back in that Brazil team as soon as possible because we want to see all the superstars all of the time. Yeah, I mean, should we go to the offside goal? Um, Richarlison was penalised for coming back from an offside position. Adrian Durham and I were talking about this in the stadium I mean, it's just anti-football, isn't it? The idea that that goal was ruled out. I know it's in the laws of the game, but crikey, it was such a beautifully worked goal. And actually, when you look at the graphic of the position of the last defender and where Richarlison was, I think they got it slightly wrong. When the ball's actually played, he's a good yard closer. It was very, very tight. I think it was tighter than they tried to make out. And we didn't see a replay of that for a very long time. In fact, I don't actually remember seen a replay for about 10 minutes. Not that I'm a conspiracy theorist. Um, but um, I was so gutted that goal was ruled out for Vinicius Jr., who was actually probably their most bright attacker during the course of the first hour or so, Scott. So, so are you saying it wasn't offside or that it was offside and it's just a shame it wasn't allowed? I'm saying that, um, first of all, I didn't realise it was offside because... It was Richarlison coming back from an offside position, moving towards the halfway line. He gets a tiny little flick at it. I don't think anyone realised at the time it, it was offside. It was only when Peter Walton said it to us on ITV that I actually thought, oh, yes, OK, that must be the reason, because there was no way that Vinicius Jr. was offside. And I saw that on the first replay, and I think I mentioned that. Um, but it, it was to do with Richarlison coming backwards. And when they showed us the graphic, it was sort of like the armpit, you know, that armpit thing that they do. Um, and Richarlison was about a yard back. But I'm not sure. Adrian's got this theory that it was stopped too early. And actually, there was another second or so before the ball was released. And therefore, there was every chance that he got himself back on side. I'd like to see it, I'd like to see it again. But we don't get those pictures because it's all the world feed. Where's the grassy knoll? I mean, you know... <laughs> it's only one goal, I know. But, you know, we love goals. We want goals. We don't want to keep rolling out goals, for God's sakes. No, look, I'm with you and it's a wonderful goal. And in terms of Vinicius Jr., I actually think he would be missed more than Neymar. I think mm. he's the one who is capable of the moments. That goal was 
I mean, the, the way he ran with that and then took that extra touch, that extra touch needed to be absolutely perfect. And yet it was. And most people would have overran it or just tried to take in it to the shot a little bit earlier. And then the touch he put through to Rodrigo at the end as well. I mean, it's outrageous. I actually think he would be a bigger miss for Brazil than Neymar. But when it comes to that actual goal, look, we all want to see beautiful goals, and it was. But we also, offside is either offside or it's not. And for me, if he didn't touch it, the, the, the guy before, then it's, it's offside. And um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see whether it comes out months later. So there really was a few seconds before and it was stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like you're taking the mickey out of me there, Scott. Um, Serbia 3, Cameroon 3. Serbia trailed 1-0, then led 3-1, only for the game to end up 3-3. Abubakar, the difference maker, one goal and assist off the bench. What a finish. I know it was initially ruled out for offside and then VAR checked it and it wasn't. Uh, thank God for VAR. Um, but what a beautiful finish that was when he scooped the ball over the goalkeeper, Crook. Yeah, it almost looked unreal, didn't it, when he did it? Like, it wasn't really happening. But Hugh Wozencroft, who I was working with at the game involving Portugal last night, he has a theory, uh, and maybe Scott, as the ex-pro, can give us his take on this. He doesn't think he attempts that finish unless he believes he's in an offside position. He thinks the flag is going to go up, as it did, of course, and VAR intervened. So he thinks he almost nonchalantly lifted that over the goalkeeper because the goal isn't going to stand anyway. If he thought he was onside... Hugh's view was that he would have just smashed it into the back of the net. Well, let's go to the prolific goal scorer, um, the lad Minto. Um, <laughs> he's got, probably got a nose. Bit, but... No, no, but seriously, 100% agree. 100%. And I think if you ask any ex-pro whatever position they played back in the day, there's no way he would have been that cool. He thought he was offside and he turned, he didn't even celebrate. And that told you everything that he thought, you know what, it doesn't matter what to do here. So I'm just going to dink it. And, 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 and so what? So the shackles came off and it was a fantastic chip, you have to say. Yeah, it, it took the pressure off him in that sense, in that split second, because he, he literally, as I say, the celebration said it all. He, he thought he was offside. Let's do this bit of fun and we go back. So fair play to him in the end for sticking the ball in the back of the net. And it's a lesson to any youngsters out there. Stick the ball in the back of the net, then see what the referee's got to say. Uh, Switzerland plays Serbia on the final day um, and Cameroon have to take on Brazil. Brazil have already qualified six points and it's between Switzerland, Cameroon and Serbia as to who's going to get the second place. I mean, Switzerland will be massive favourites because they only need a draw really against um, Serbia in order to do that in Cameroon face Brazil. But you never know. I mean, strange things happen on final days of uh, of World Cup group stages. Um, Ghana 3, South Korea 2. Another dramatic comeback. Korea levelled the game from being 2-0 down and end up losing 3-2. What a performance by Mohamed Kudos, who uh, looks like a star in the making. Two goals. He said pre-tournament he was as good as Neymar and he proved it yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, kudos for him for uh, backing up those statements, really. I'm sorry. Really? Easy tap in there. Uh, but no, he... He certainly has. Uh, it's funny because you, usually you'd miss that. <laughs> no, he, listen, he has backed it up. Um, he, he was exceptional. It was, um, it was a brilliant game, wasn't it? I mean, it, it looked it looked like South Korea were, were dead and buried and they come back and they concede again. Son leaves the pitch in tears and it looks very difficult now, doesn't it, for, for South Korea to get out of that group, bearing in mind their last game. Uh, I've been doing it for talk sport is against Portugal. So you think that maybe the, the second place will go to one of the teams in the other match. But 
again, another brilliantly entertaining game. And actually, I think, by and large, the games in this second round of matches have been much more dramatic, much more goal-laden um, than the first matches, which were very cagey. And I think it'll only get better going into the last round because there's still so much at stake in a lot of the groups. Um, I mentioned that uh, for South Korea, their manager, Paolo Bento, caused a little bit of a stir. That stir was getting red-carded at full-time after Anthony Taylor blew for full-time. I think he was happy, unhappy about when Anthony Taylor blew the whistle. Uh, he, we did have a corner at the time. So he came out and he was like having a go and he ended up getting sent off. And Anthony Taylor just had enough of it, just gave him the red card and sent him off. Uh, but um, one of the key things that happened in this match, or after this match, a Ghana official attempted to take a selfie with uh, Son Heung-min whilst he was crying after South Korea's uh, loss yesterday. The Tottenham star was in tears at full time. Not an emotionally draining game, finishing 3-2 and going back and forth, etc., etc. Yet one of the uh, Ghana backroom staff wanted to get a picture with Son. He came over to the Spurs man, thrust a camera in his face. Son turned away from the official before another member of the uh, Ghana staff, I think it was actually George Boateng, who went over to him uh, and urged him to put his phone away. They attempted to check on Son's welfare eventually, but he walked off. It was clear he wanted to be left alone. But fancy trying to take a selfie with him, and if you're a member of the Ghana backroom staff anyway. But to do it whilst he's crying his eyes out, it's a little bit disrespectful, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I, I, I actually hadn't seen that. Um... Again, maybe coming back from the, the, the talk sport fan zone, I've missed a few things, but I don't understand his thinking. I mean, why not just speak to him another time? But you can see he's crying. So is he doing that in a in a, a kind of way that you want to rub his nose in it? Well, you think he's mocking him? You think he's mocking him? I hope not, Sam. I hope not. Out of order. Um, a couple of other miscellaneous stories from the World Cup. Apparently, players in Qatar are having problems with the ball. Kieran Trippier saying that there's a big difference between the weight of the ball at this World Cup and in the Premier League. You might have seen Messi walloping a free kick over the bar. Um, Trippier saying that it is slightly different. So when you hit it, it, it goes further. It gets too much power in it. It goes too far. Um, that always seems to be a problem, doesn't it? Do you remember the Jubilani ball before the 2010 World Cup? Uh, there was lots of discussion about the balls and the flights of it, and you have to get used to it before before you start playing. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody gets a uh, gets to grips with that. We haven't had a direct free kick yet. The one that we thought we had had been changed now because someone got a touch on it, so it's not a direct free kick. So we haven't had a direct free kick scored yet. Crooks? Well, I was with the guys from Adidas um, in the Argentina game, and I was cool. I... invited. I think you were actually when you so go and big up the ball and tell us how great it is because obviously you know we can trust your judgment. Bearing in mind they've basically funded your trip. No, but I I, I was fascinated about the ball and about this chip that's been put in. And they were telling me they did a lot of blind testing on the ball, um, particularly the Asia Cup. So they didn't tell the players um, that the, the software uh, was in use. And they said the results have been largely really positive. So uh, I'm interested to hear Kieran Trippier's take on that. And uh, I will go back to them and put it to them and, uh, and let you know in a later pod what their reaction is. I'm sure you'll go back to them, yes. You'll, you'll have another all-expenses-paid trip to another game with Adidas so that you can impart your knowledge. Um, they don't need all their scientific data from the uh, from, from the chip. They actually just need you to sit with them, drink and tell them. He's head-to-toe in Adidas gear as well. I mean, just no... <laughs> Mr. It's the three stripes on his head that I'm worried about. Um <laughs> Portugal is, uh, <laughs> Portugal's clash with um, Uruguay uh, was halted when a protester invaded the pitch carrying a rainbow flag. It was 
also wearing a Superman T-shirt with Save Ukraine on the front and Respect for Iranian Women on the back. It, it was immediately cut away from by the host broadcaster. It was rugby tackled, frog marched away. I'm actually surprised it's taken so long for someone to do it. It was going to happen at, at one stage. So um, it, was, it was quite a, quite a scene, actually. Was First of all, someone said that, that a rainbow flag had been thrown onto the pitch. And we were like, how on earth did they get a rainbow flag thrown on the pitch from there? But actually, it was an, a pitch invader running onto the, the surface. Um, an estimated £200 million alone is going to be spent on food and drink today uh, up and down the country, across Wales and England, to celebrate the first ever Battle of Britain at a World Cup. So let's get into it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Stadium. It's finished England nil, United States nil. Listen, it's it's not a nice feeling, but to be honest, we don't need fans to boo us to for us to know that we've not played as well as we could have. The final whistle goes and Iran can celebrate. What a day for them. The Wales as World Cup hopes now hang by a very slender thread. It happened, we obviously don't blame anybody, it, it's, it happens in football, but um yeah, like I said, it's just difficult to take. An opportunity to draw the ball back for Greenish! Half a dozen for England on a fantastic night! We've got to impose our football on, on the opponent. It's no different to what we're always trying to do, really. Bale steps up left foot, he makes no mistake! Drives it high into the net! And Wales have their first goal! We want to react in a positive manner, and I'll pick a team that will go out, give everything to the cause. I think this tournament has shown that every team is beatable. So, of course, England are beatable. England-Wales live on TalkSports, 7 o'clock UK time tonight, 10 o'clock here in the heat of Doha. Reports that Joe Bellingham is going to be dropped, Henderson's going to come in, Carl Walker looks like he's going to start too, and Phil Foden in for Saka. 
uh, says we understand it. Let's speak to Gareth Southgate, who says we're going to treat the game in the right way. We want to win football matches. Um, we have got to balance freshness with stability. So that, that's always the decision you're making when you're picking a team. Um, and yeah, we've got a chance to win the group um, with a positive result. So there's a lot for both teams resting on the game. You know, there's no there's no game where there isn't pressure on either team. And um, um, yeah, we want to really our performance is the key. We have played well with the ball in our first game, scored a lot of goals. Um, in the second game was tougher for us. We defended really well, and now we want, want to put both elements of the game together. So it doesn't sound like wholesale changes for this game, Crook. Um, we expect those three players to come in. What difference will it make? Well, I'm interested to see who Carl Walker in particular comes in for. Is it a straight swap for Kieran Trippier? I'm not sure about that, bearing in mind that Kieran Trippier was one of the players put up to speak to the media uh, in the last 48 hours. I wonder if Trippier may shift across to left-back, which of course was a role uh, on the left side of the fence that he played to good effect at the Euros and Walker comes in right back. I understand the decision to bring in Walker. I think he needs minutes before the knockout stages. Looks like Gareth Southgate will stick with a back four for this game. I think that will become a three um, as England get deeper into the draw. Foden is a no-brainer. I think there's a big clamour for that and Gareth Southgate has responded to it. And, and Bellingham looked like a player in that game against the USA who probably needed a rest. I think Harry Kane did as well, but that was never going to happen, was it? No, um, Harry Kane not going to get a rest. Should he have had one or should he be having one, Scott? Um, strikers, as we know, are selfish people. They only care about getting goals, etc., etc., etc. And I'm not saying that Harry Kane is that, but if you speak to Dean Ashton, he'll tell you they're all the same. Ian Wright will say the same thing. Um, but should he have played really on Friday night, bearing in mind that it's now come out that he wasn't 100% fit? Do you know what? It's it's a real tough one because I don't think anyone after what happened uh, with the Iran game would have thought the changes should have been made. No one saw that quite that performance coming against the USA. Look, I know you've probably done it to death. I, I just want to get, chuck my penny worth in for, I, I think Gareth missed the trick. I think what happened with the Iran-Wales game earlier meant that he had it in his mind almost in a chess-like, micromanaged way that we only need to draw. The first half went the way it did. Should have made changes then. Um, and, and I think we missed the trick in terms of actually really striking fear into other countries that we're going to meet later on down down the line. You know, it's fascinating to hear Rio Ferdinand talk about in 2002 that he was really intimidated in the Brazil game in the quarterfinal and he couldn't be himself. And from then on, he was never quite, he, was, he made sure he was never like that again. And I thought we, we missed the trick there. But in terms of Harry Kane, of course they're selfish. We just talked about Cristiano Ronaldo claiming that one of his hair follicles, you know, got a touch on, on the goal that, you know, and, and it should have gone to him. He's going to want to play. He wants everything. He doesn't just want the World Cup. He wants the, the, the golden boots. Look, unless he's really struggling, I would take him out now. I would say, look, just rest. I'm sorry. You're not going to get the golden boot now. Make your name by winning, getting the winning gold in the World Cup final. But we need you right later on and bring in someone like Callum Wilson. So should he have played against the USA? Yes. Should he play against Wales? I'd say no. Will he play? I'd be very surprised if he doesn't.
Okay, uh, Crook, as I think he's mentioned once or twice, has been hanging out with Adidas and he's been speaking to Alessandro Del Piero. And uh, you spoke to him yesterday about Harry Kane, didn't you? And you asked him whether or not he thought Harry Kane could win the Golden Boot. I don't think he did. Harry is the kind of guy that works a lot for the team, uh, and especially in the national team. I remember in the, in the final of the Euros, the, he was taking the ball from the defender and, and, and you score the first goal, guys. So... It's a little bit more than a striker, you know. He can play in a different position. He helps the team a lot between strikers and midfielders. He's playing in that area. He helps a lot the team. So I don't know if he has all this energy to do everything. So let's see. If England goes forward, yeah, why not? Why not? He's an incredible player. I mean, he's an incredible player. I like him very much. Does too much work outside the box? Is that right? Um, does, does he do too much work outside the box, Scott? Do you know what? I, I, I saw him even in the Iran game and he was playing right wing, left wing, um, sometimes centre mid, dropping in. Now, look, he does what he does for, for Spurs and it was a season or two ago where he wasn't just top scorer as a number nine, he was top assist maker in the Premier League as well. So that is his game. But the bottom line is if you want to be scoring goals, you want to get in between the sticks. And I don't think in certain situations his natural instinct at the moment is to get in between the sticks. Now, in the Euros, he didn't start off particularly well there either. So I wouldn't talk about dropping him or anything like that. But if you want to be getting goals, the best way to get goals is get in front of goal and not worry too much about what's going on around and get on the end of things rather than trying to put the crosses in. Um, Lots, obviously, of talk about what happens if they don't win this game where they finish in the group. Our producer, Jeremy, has sent me a note saying how damaging could it be for England to uh, finish out of the top position in this group? And the answer to that is it would be blinding if they finish second. Because if they finish second, they're likely to go through to a last 16 game at the Kalitha International Stadium, which is a lot easier to get to than our bait, which is where they would play if they finish top. Uh, They would play against the Netherlands in the last 16. The Netherlands, probably not as good as many people were thinking they might be. So I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, but in terms of route, they play the Netherlands, then they'd play the winners of Poland versus Australia in the quarterfinals, and then probably Spain in the semifinals. If they win the group, they'll play Ecuador or Senegal in the last 16. That's okay. Okay, they think they might negotiate that. But then they play France in a quarterfinal, and then their semifinals, should they, by some sort of miracle, get past France, play the winners of Germany, Portugal, in the semi-final. I mean, it's obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. And whenever you're doing a World Cup wall chart, you should write it in uh, a pencil rather than permanent marker because it always throws up odd scenarios. But I actually think finishing second in the group is a good thing. Um, I think it would be a better route for England, Alex. It would be the most Gareth Southgate thing in the world to produce another turgid performance, (laughs) finish second and have the route to a semi-final opened up. So, yeah, I'm not ruling that out at all. Um, is there any chance they don't qualify? Of course there isn't, because they aren't going to concede the volume of goals required for that. But could I see them limping to a draw and somehow managing to finish second? I think there is a possibility of that. Well, Wales need a miracle, really, to go through. Uh, Rob Page, their manager, was tight-lipped on whether or not he was going to pick the two players that look a little bit leggy, uh, Bale and Ramsey. Will they be in from the start today? Like I said, tough times at the minute, but we'll, um, we'll get on with it. Whatever part they play in that game tomorrow night, they're ready for it. They're ready for it. We're all we're all hurting as a group because we know we're frustrated that we've not 
giving a good account of ourselves and uh, we'll be giving our best tomorrow to, to go and you know, put that right. Well, the answer to the question, should both players be picked, is probably no, isn't it, Scott? Because they look like they're playing with sort of nine and a half men, really, when those two are in the team, because they're both not 100% fit. And if Joe Allen's in there as well, then you're reducing the physical uh, capacity of the team even further, because they, they, they aren't up to it at this level, are they? No, and they're not, and 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 they're not going to be sort of going forwards. I mean, I listened to Crookie last night on the way home from the fan zone, and I I agreed with him completely. Um, this this is not just about what's right for the game for this particular game, because if it was, neither of them would start. But this is, you know, let's face it. After Gareth Bale won the penalty and then scored the penalty against the USA, everyone was saying what a legend he is, what an incredible. I listened to Dean Saunders, a former teammate of mine. A proud one talk about how he's just transcended not just football but but Wales, you know, as another country, he's almost as big as Tom Jones. Now, how can you suddenly drop your biggest star in a World Cup that you haven't been to since 1958? All of football sense would say he's not been quite at it, and Aaron Ramsey is, and and you would drop. But the ramifications for Rob Page in doing that is just far too much, and I think. I think they deserve respect. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Aaron Ramsey doesn't start, but you have to start Gareth Bale. Again, we said at the start, didn't we, about that it's not about just being fit. He's not. He's a shadow of the player he used to be, a, a wonderful player, Wales' greatest ever player, one of Britain's ever players, but he, that was a long time ago now. But he's still capable of the odd moment. Um, and just what he's done and what he represents for Wales, it, it's a decision that, you can't just think about the football side of things. You have to think about the whole thing and, and he's going to play. It's as simple as that. Well, scenario is pretty simple. England will go through to the last 16 with a draw or a win against Wales tonight. Even if the three Lions are beaten, they should still qualify, but will not top the group if there is a winner between Iran and the USA. However, England will miss out altogether if Wales beat them by four goals and the Iran-USA game does not end in a draw. So it's complicated and Wales need a helping hand from uh, Iran or USA as well in order to get through and they need to score a bucket load of goals. Neither of those, th- those things are going to happen. Uh, USA uh, versus Iran, TalkSport 2 at 7pm. Odd pre-match press conference where Captain Tyler Adams and coach Greg Berhalter of the USA were grilled by the Iranian press. <laughs> Again, we're getting it sort of into that territory where it becomes like a political debating chamber before one of these huge big matches. This is Tyler Adams reacting to a question about how he feels representing the United States of America as an African-American. You know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, You know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures and kind of assimilate into different cultures, is that in the U.S. we're we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day? You know, growing up for me, I was I, I grew up in a in a white family with an obviously an African American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures, and I, I was very very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures. So um, you know, not everyone has that that ease and uh, the ability to do that. And obviously, it takes longer to understand. And through education, I think it's it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of of your country. So. Um, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a process. I think as, as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing. The background to that is, is that he called Iran Iran, mm. which is sometimes, you know, the way it's said in America. And the Iranian journalist who was talking to him at the time sort of called him out and asked him 
to, to pronounce it properly and he educated him. But actually the way that Tyler Adams dealt with it, I thought was pretty classy. Um, and his response to that question too was pretty impressive for such a young man, someone who is being given a responsibility to be the captain and leader of his nation. The way he came across, I thought was, was superb. Uh, both sides still have a shot of qualification. Who do you fancy to get it, Scott? By the way, Totally echoes those your words on, on on Tyler Adams and how he dealt with it. Very classy. Do, do you know what Iran? What they went through with the first game against England, you know, off the field, not singing the national anthem. I think that affected them a lot. And then how I saw them against Wales, I was very very impressed. Now I cover uh, the Portuguese football and Mediterranean. I knew was was going to do very well in the World Cup. He's a danger. They are a danger. But I predicted the States to go through in second place. I'm going to stick with that. That means that they're going to win this game. But I think they're capable of doing that. They've only played maybe one half of the two games. Not very well. That second half against Wales. First half against Wales, I thought they were superb. And against England, tactics spot on. I think they'll just have enough to get the win. Crook, what do you think? I think it's flip of a coin, to be honest. Um, you can make a case for both. I thought Iran showed fantastic spirit against Wales, but it was a poor... Wales' performance, USA the better of the two teams against England. I just question uh, where their goals are coming from. And I know that the fans back in the States, we've touched on this on the podcast before, aren't necessarily buying into what the coach is doing and his philosophy. So with that in mind, I just wonder if Iran pose a slightly greater goal threat and that might be enough to swing it in their direction. Ecuador against Senegal is live on TalkSport 2 at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Two potential opponents for England in the next round. Who's impressed you most out of the two so far, Ecuador or Senegal? Scott? Well, look, I think Senegal have done well considering they, they, they haven't got Sadio Mane. And, and they were slightly better against the Netherlands when, when they played. And, I mean, really, it was Edward Mendy, Ed, Edward Mendy making a, a couple of mistakes that I felt um, that changed the game. And he did much better in the Qatar game. But... Again, at the start of the tournament, I said Ecuador. I think they've got good young lads. I think out wide in Preciado and Estupinian, they're very, very good. And if Enna Valencia is fit, then, you know, he's going for that golden boot, isn't yeah. he? So it does look like he's going to be fit. You know, it looks like, he, I mean, even though he seems to be injured in every single game and it always looks if his World Cup and career is going to finish at that moment, actually, he's going to play again. Absolutely. And, I, I you know, Caicedo in fields, I think these are a good side. This, this actually out of the group is the one side for England that I think would be our biggest biggest thorn, shall we say. We still should win, but it's a team that I wouldn't want to play in, in the next round. So I'm going to go for Ecuador. Oh, this, is, this is the thing. I was talking to Gary Neville last night and uh, we were talking about like, what happens when you get through the group stage and you go into the... Um, the knockouts and you know you try to plot a route like we've been saying you know do, do you lose this game or do you draw this game you're obviously you're not going to lose the game and I, I know we had that conversation yesterday but do you sort of try to sort of manipulate your way down a certain route in order to get there and he said to me yeah we thought we were on safe ground in 2016 when we went through and played Iceland um <laughs> and look how that worked out um, Netherlands against Qatar is live on TalkSport 4 o'clock. Surely a routine win for the Dutch. Cody Gakpo, been impressive for them. Um, Crook, you're the transfer man. Is he coming to the Premier League in January? Yeah, every chance. Um, he wasn't far away from coming in the summer. And actually, it was uh, one of the lesser lights in Southampton who thought they had a really good opportunity uh, to sign him. They'd agreed a fee with the club. He decided to stay and uh, chance his arm 
Uh, I think in this window, it, it may be getting a bigger club. I know Leeds were keen as well, actually, for a private jet out, didn't they? Uh, with the ambition and intention of bringing him back to Yorkshire. That didn't happen. He looks tailor-made for Manchester United, doesn't he? Not just because of the Dutch connection, but I think, obviously, with no Ronaldo, and he's not a, a direct like-for-like replacement, but they need a bit more uh, in attack. So, it, I would say Manchester United are a very feasible destination for Gakpo come January. Van Gaal in a very witty form in his pre-match press conferences. He's been getting up, hugging some members of the press. He's been talking about all sorts of different things that maybe you know are on the edge of acceptable. <laughs> you don't really want to, don't really want to know, Louis. Thank you. Um, but he's uh, he, he seems to be enjoying his last few games as a as a manager. Scott, would you like to see him go out on some sort of high, and what could that high be? He's not going to do a Neil Warner because he can keep coming back from retirement every every Probably, year or something. Yeah. No, look, I mean, I've been disappointed. I've got to say with the Netherlands. I mean, you called it at the start, the, the, you know, and and he sort of said they'll be like the 2014 side. Mm. I think they'll be lucky. I think they'll win the group. I think they're lucky to win the group. Really, do I want him? I think what he's done, the career he's had, yeah, you know, quarterfinals. But this is a Netherlands side that I've not been impressed with. They're not playing particularly well. And I don't want to see them go any further than that. And I, apologies to all my friends, especially Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. <laughs> uh, right. OK, that's it uh, from us. Uh, big games today on the TalkSport Network. Obviously, this is the first day that things have sort of changed. There's four games today, uh, but uh, they're both in on at the same time if they're in the same group. So it's the final group day. So uh, you've got two games at seven o'clock, two games at four o'clock. Uh, this afternoon. Um, England against Wales is on at seven o'clock live on Talk Sport. All the alternatives are on Talk Sport too. Crook, what game are you going to today? Uh, I'm going to the England game. Looking forward to it. Hopefully it'll be more like the first one than the second. Uh, before that, I'm going out for lunch with uh, Pete Tong. So that'll be interesting. Are we still doing that together? Well, because um, I spoke to him yesterday and he said he didn't know whether we were going out for lunch. Now, have I been ditched? No, I've booked a table. Well, I've just asked for a table this morning and I will revert to you once that has been confirmed. It's a secret location. Well, Obviously, I it, can't reveal it, it all behind on my this back. podcast. I literally did it this morning. And there is a space right. with your name okay. on it. He got his Adidas spokesperson to do the, the booking for him. <laughs> Um, I have I, I have got all of our names down though for the Pete Tong party later on tonight, which I'm very much excited about at one o'clock. It's one of those things where, again, Scott, I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast, we get very excited about going to these major events that start at one o'clock in the morning. Then we go to the game. Uh, Crook goes on, has loads of fun, and I just go to bed. And then the next day, I say to him, "Oh, sorry, I was I was too tired." And he just said to me, "We were having a beer the other night." And he just said to me, "You are dull." Aren't you? Um, <laughs> I've said this a number of times, though. You know, this guy gets around so much going to all these major events, going all to, loads to all these games, and so I don't know where, when he sleeps. But I, I didn't really ever believe in reincarnation, but I'm starting to believe in it desperately now because when I die, I want to come back as Alex Crook. Uh, Scott, thank you very much. Uh, Crookie, thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Kwaku Afari is going to join us. Remember, we've got four live games on the TalkSport Network. Make sure you download our app and you can listen to it all. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. 
Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 